We're overwhelmed by his presence. We're overwhelmed by his love for us. That's Melanie Waldman and Hal is featured on that one as well. Speaking of overwhelmed. That just kind of sums up the day. I was going to say. (laughs) There's a lot to that redemption and that protection that only can come from him. And uh, we get to celebrate that today with uh, this teaching from our general manager, Ray Haynes, on Purim here on Q in the Morning and an opportunity, too, to join together and uh, give into what the Lord is doing through this radio ministry, 770-781-9150, or you can go to victory.radio. You know, Purim, you know, it is overwhelming. It's about deliverance. I mean, imagine you're right about to die and it's snatched into victory. And you would obviously turn your whole world from that fear and that trepidation and into joy. And because of that, uh, giving uh, followed. And uh, I could look back and think, yeah, I could, I could definitely see why you'd want to share in that kind of a deliverance. And, uh, you know, I think for years I've quoted Deuteronomy 16 because it's one of my favorite scriptures about uh, festivals and how we engage with God and says to bring a gift in proportion to the way he's blessed you. Mm. And I, I like I like definitive things, but sometimes I like that, you know, the one that really makes you uh, think about how many times God has delivered you, has set you free, mm-hmm. has rescued you. And so Perm is one of those moments. And so that, ver- that verse really comes to mind. And uh, as I've mentioned, Victory 91.5, you know, we are so blessed. God has given us so many folks who give and sow, underwriters, donors, churches, ministries, uh, businesses all over the place. But, you know, for whatever reason, I have the suspicion that, like, all of our listeners are, like, really big on Valentine's Day because by February, you know, just just fades away. So... I don't know if that's really the theory or if it's all in my head, but for whatever reason, that's what tends to happen in February. So as we head into March, I just want to make a kind of a Purim appeal. As I teach this morning, we need your support, and uh, Purim is obviously a perfect time to give. It's all about giving, and uh, I ask you to give. Would you give? Uh, Kelly's up there getting things together at 770-781-9150, and of course, always online at victory.radio, and please a give. Give now. Okay, you want to understand the significance of Purim, which took place in Persia. And, of course, we understand Persians are still Persians around today. And the life of Esther, her uncle Mordecai, uh, also Haman is there. And there's King Xerxes, who all lived about 500 years before the coming of Jesus. So we need to know how to fit into the world, into the Bible. I mean, time is a funny thing in history. And so to really do that well, we got a journey back to the time of Jacob and Esau. So we're going to go about 1,200 years before Purim mm. to discover the backstory. So we're going like 3,200 years. So, no, actually, it would be 3,700 years ago, right? So we're going to go 1,700 B.C. You probably remember the story. Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau came out first, so he had the eldest son's birthrights. But, oh, he had a brother. He did. Jacob tricked him twice when they were grown and stole his birthright and blessing. Esau promised to kill him. And uh, Jacob fled and lived with their uncle for 20 years when he became wealthy and he had a large family. And so at that point, it's time to go home. 
when Jacob brought his family home for the first time, he asked for forgiveness and repaid Esau, and the two estranged brothers reconciled. Both returned to the land of Canaan and lived for many years there near each other until their possessions were too great to live together anymore. So, And by this time, and this is a big part of the story, Esau's sons had been born, so he took his family east towards Edom and back towards that region where uh, Moses would eventually bring the children of Israel into. All right, so this is where kind of the story turns. Esau's grandchildren were all born in this new land away from Jacob. One of them is named Amalek, and he developed a powerful hatred against Jacob's heritage because several generations later, when Israel was making their way from Egypt to Mount Sinai, they passed through the land of Amalek, and the Amalekites violently attacked Israel. And God <laughs> likes to describe it this way in Deuteronomy 25. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when Jehovah your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that Jehovah your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek. You know you've done bad there. You're going to blot out even the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. Boy, that's what you call upset. The yeah. battle in Exodus 17 is very famous. It's one where the brothers of Moses, Aaron and Hur, had to support his arms as he held up his staff. And by sunset, the Israelites had defeated the Amalekites. So pretty famous battle after their attack. And God cursed the sons of Amalek. I will completely erase any memory of the Amalekites from the earth because a hand was lifted up against Yah's throne. Jehovah will be at war against the Amalekites from one generation to the next. Now, in the final days of Moses, God added these words. Therefore, it shall be when Jehovah has given you rest, you will blot out that remembrance. All right. So pretty serious. But of course, the children of Israel never stayed faithful to God. So the Amalekites were a constant source of bloodshed and poverty. Instead of being blotted out, they were very present. Still, God was faithful to his word. So all this happens. They attack about 500 years later. God commanded Saul, the first king of Israel, thus says Jehovah Host, I'll punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now obviously, that's serious. Sadly, Saul disobeyed, so God rejected him as king from that day forward. It says, but Saul and the people spared Agag, this is the king, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. They only wanted to destroy what they saw as bad, but everything despised and worthless, worthless that they utterly destroyed. That's Saul for you, not, not his best day. So the Amalekites continued to be a constant and brutal enemy. And in the end, an Amalekite actually struck the final blow that killed Saul. Talk about a warning that you ignore. They would continue to be a scourge against Israel with David as king and continue to harass them until the captivities of Syria and Babylon. 
So now I want you to hold on to that knowledge about the Amalekites because they're going to be back and they're going to be significant, but we're going to chop this in pieces so it's easy to uh, take it all in today. So and when Digestible sections there you uh, go. of this. Digestible the, Amalekites. Yeah, <laughs> the depth of all of this and, and the time travel we're involved in this morning. 